into our series, two-week series on finances. And like I said, uh, this first week is on the principle of first. The principle of first. So let me read a scripture, Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure's at, where you spend your money, it's where your heart is at. Let me pray right now before we get into this. God, Father, we come before you, and, and Lord, I'm just asking for you to open up our ears and our hearts today to receive from you. God, as this is a, a touchy subject, uh, this kind of gets in our business. God, I'm praying that uh, through your word, through the principles that you've given us, God, that we would grow in our knowledge and our understanding of how to serve you well with our finances. God, uh, we want to please you, Lord, so I, I pray that you'd help us to learn what that is, what pleases you, Father. God, I pray that today it wouldn't be what I say and how I say it that's received, but it would be by your spirit, God, that you would illuminate your scripture and help us to, uh, to just do right, Father, and live right. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right. So I'm not going um, to dance around the issue that there's a lot of different people here today with a lot of different experiences. Um, and when it comes to church and money, um, right there, those two things coming together, for some of you, has a lot of bad things surrounding it. You've seen a lot of people uh, misuse money. You know, you've seen some of the best preachers have the biggest planes and they fly around the, you know what I'm saying? It's like we need a giant state-of-the-art, just millions of dollars in order just to fly two hours. You know what I'm saying? You, like, you see that, and that's a little bit confusing. And so that's a church, right? And so you have, some people have had that. Some of you have been in close relationships with pastors and, and people who have misused the money that the church has, uh, has taken in, and so you've got a bad experience there. Some of you are in a place where you haven't had a bad experience, but whenever it comes to uh, this word tithe, and things like that, it's kind of confusing, and it's a little bit vague, and you've heard all these different things. You don't really go one way or the other. You're just kind of like, I, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know. You know, so there's not like a lot of bad around it. It's just kind of confusing. And then some of you, you've grown up in church. It's all good. You understand what tithe is. You understand what giving is. Uh, there's no hesitation when it comes to this. Uh, you believe in what the, the word of God says. It's just, it's okay, right? And uh, I, I would really come into that category. I've grown up in church. Um, I've never not tithed. I think, I, I think that's how you say that. Um, I, I've tithed since I was like 11 years old. Um, I've given to the church. Um, I've never lived, never gone a paycheck without giving uh, to, to the church through the tithes and offerings. I've always actually given more than that. And that's not to toot a horn. That's just to say, that's how I've lived my life. And, uh, you know, it was modeled by my parents. I learned that from my parents, who did not tithe before they were in church, obviously. You know, and, uh, but, but as they grew in their relationship with God, uh, this whole thing of money, um, it, it just really becomes part of your lifestyle. All right, and, and so it's important that we kind of establish some vernacular, some, some verbiage, and, and that's tithe. Number one is what is tithe? Well, tithe is 10% of your income before anybody else gets a hold of it. Before uh, the taxes, you know, Uncle Sam reaches in and grabs, man, how much nowadays, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, before insurance, before your bills, before any of that kind of stuff, that it's, uh, it's 10%. And that right there, many of you are like, that is physically impossible for me to do, you know? That's why we have a financial class coming up. No, um, but it, that's what tithe means. And, and you'll hear offering too. And, and the way we really refer, refer to offering is anything above the tithe that you give. Anything extra uh, can really be referred to as a, an offering. And then there's this word that's actually in the series is blessed. 
blessed. And this word, can I just be honest with you? Whenever I hear people say the word blessed, I cringe a little bit on the inside because of how, how the word has just been misused. All right, blessed always a lot of the time equates to just somebody that wants big houses and a lot of cars and a lot of money. And you know what I'm saying? They just want to be, they want to have all that stuff. And it's like, oh, I'm blessed. And then if, if, if things maybe aren't working out in that thing, it's like, I'm not blessed. And, and it's like, well, I mean, just because you don't have a 3,000 square foot house does not mean that you're not blessed, okay? And so, so we're not going to equate blessed with a lot of stuff. Blessed actually, it actually means divine, divine favor and protection, endowed with divine favor and protection. So as we, as we talk about blessed, let's go that route and not just about how much stuff you got, okay? Because life is a lot more than just that. And so, uh, so how you spend your money is really all a matter of your heart. A lot of people say, God's first in my life, right? You've heard, I'm sure you've all said that. Like, God, I'm just really trying to put God first in my life. And really, if you want to see if somebody has got God first in their life or what is first in their life, really just go to their bank account, right? And look at what the things they're spending their money on. And, um, uh, and really, you could find a lot about find out a lot about people about what they spend their money on, okay? And so, uh, so it really, I believe that if God is first in your life, everything else will pretty much come into order, okay? It might not be perfect, but I believe that there is, um, God is not a God of, of chaos, okay? And so if, if your priorities are out of whack, your, your life's gonna be out of whack. And, uh, but whenever God is in his rightful place, things do sort of fall into place, doesn't take the work out of the equation, but, uh, but you're, you're on the right path. And so I want to read Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Kind of set us up where we're headed today. I'm still setting us up. I haven't really got to the meat of where we're headed. But uh, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, which really is the local church nowadays, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Really, there's three statements that I want to make about tithing and this thing of giving. Number one is that tithing is a test of your faith. We see it right there. God said, test me. It's one of the few times that, you know, God's just like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and try it. Just try it this one time, right? So the test, uh, uh, t- a tithing is a test of your faith. Number two is that tithing requires sacrifice. Giving, yes, that's right. It takes sacrifice. Just let that sink in for a moment, all right? Sometimes you give whenever it's difficult to give because it's sacrificial, Number three is that it invokes provision and protection. These are the three things we see in Malachi. Talks about it's a test. Talks about uh, he will provide and then protection of what he provides. These are, these are three main things that we need to establish before we move on. Because if, if we're misunderstanding these three things, then, uh, then everything else kind of, it doesn't play out well. It is a test of your faith. It, it does require sacrifice, and it does invoke provision and protection. And so with these things established, let's dig into this principle of the first. The first, really, you'll see these, uh, these words used in the Bible, first fruits, 
firstborn. This, there's this principle of the first. And I brought uh, a whole lot of cash today. A whole lot of cash. Uh, many of you probably haven't seen cash a lot because everybody uses their credit cards, right? Uh, 25% interest. But um, so you got, you know, you've got this money. Now, I want to I show you an illustration about the first and why the first is so important and how it represents your heart. If you were to give me 10 bucks right now, which this is $10, and there is a difference between me doing this, a dollar, 10% going to the church, going to the local church, right? And then living off of the rest of this. There is a difference of me doing that versus saying, uh, okay, let me, uh, let me pay my bills. Let me go on vacation. Let me do what I need to do. And if there is one of these left over, then I will give it. But there might not be once I get done because it's not first. Y'all see the difference? It's a lot different. It's like, it's like I'm gonna love my wife as long as she's really faithful to me and as long as she does everything I want her to do. But if she doesn't, what? you're like, what? It's horrible. There's no difference between what I just did. It's, it's the principle of the first before anything else like off the top, like I don't even think about that being part of my life, like that's it, it's God's. There is a difference, okay, and I wanna establish that because a lot of people don't have that mindset, so this whole principle of the first is, is it's gonna be very confrontational to your mindset, okay? And that's what submission is to the word of God is whenever you don't agree with it or you don't feel it, that you still do it. And that's nowadays, that's where we struggle. It's like, okay, even though it's going to hurt, I'm going to put that there. I'm going to live off this. All right? So that's why this principle is a big deal. The principle of the first. And I want to read a couple of scriptures to kind of set this up. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord, your, uh, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I think it's important. It says... You know, honor them with your first fruits and then your barns, right? A lot of times we're just like, the Lord's going to bless me and I'm just going to have so much, I don't even know what to do with it. You know, and it's like, well, there's a, there's a little bit of a pattern here. First fruits. Exodus 23, 19, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. The best. A lot of times we bring what we got, but it's not necessarily the best, all right, we kind of like, yeah, here's $20, all right? Yeah. But it's not our best. This is a big deal, the principle of the first. So now I want to read out of Genesis 4, and this is where we're really going to dig in to, uh, to, to this subject. And it's really where we see the first time that people are, are sacrificially giving and, um, and how they really don't, one of them doesn't really do that good of a job, all right? So Genesis 4, verse 3, here we go. In the course of time, Cain brought some of, the first, uh, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel, his brother, also brought an offering. Now, let me set up with these two guys, who these two guys are in case you don't know. Adam and Eve, you know Adam and Eve? We hate them, right? We're like, man, if it wasn't for what you guys did, we'd be fine. We wouldn't, even, wouldn't have to talk about what we're talking about today. Thanks, Adam. But anyway, guys always blame Eve. Girls always blame Adam, whatever. So they have, they have two sons, okay, Cain and Abel. And uh, they're, they're really close brothers, I'm sure. They grow up together. And here they are, fully grown. 
And what's going on is, is Abel, is, he's, really, uh, he's really a rancher, all right? He's got a bunch of animals. And, uh, and Cain is a farmer. And so God obviously commands them to, to bring an offering. And this is where we see uh, where Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel also brought an offering. But check out what it says. He brought the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Fat always represents like the, the good part, all right? Bring out the fatted calf, right? They don't say bring out the skinniest calf you got. This is a party. They're like, bring out the fat one. That's what we want, okay? So fat is, is the best of the firstborn. You'll see first fruits, firstborn. It's still this, this uh, principle of first. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So... Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. A lot, uh, you know, I see a lot of downcast face today. You know, faces just, oh, man. Verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Check this out. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. Cain's upset. I mean, if you, if you think about them like three and four-year-olds, it's kind of like, you know, eh, he's pouting, man. He's, he's upset. He's like, well, God didn't like mine. He liked Abel, my brother, you know. And uh, Cain obviously didn't get something right. Because the Lord said, if you'll do what's right, Everything's going to work out. So there was something that Cain did that was wrong. And there was something that really, uh, it actually really shows Cain's heart in the matter. And that's what we're going to dig into as we talk about the first, not only the first, but the first really can also be the first and the best. The first and the best. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the heart of Cain and the heart of Abel. We're going to talk about the difference of them. And as we're talking about this, find yourself in them. Find where your heart is at in this equation. Because all of our hearts are in this, within these two hearts, okay? All of us. So the heart of Cain. Jude 1 says this. Uh, Jude verse 11 says this. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. We see two things, greed and rebellion in this scripture that really really sum up the heart of Cain. Greed and rebellion. Greed is like, kind of like jealousy to a certain extent, but it really has to do with wanting it all for yourself. Wanting, I mean, all the power, all the money, you want it all for yourself. And, and in that is, re, it kind of, it become rebellious, which is, you know, you, you basically can't tell me what to do. Now, now I want to dispel something real quick, and it's this thing that money in itself is bad, and that if you're rich, you're automatically bad. And if you're uh, seeking to be wealthy and successful in that area, that there's something you know, off, like your, your life is, is not focused on the, the right thing. And that's not true. It, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. There is a difference between having a lot of money and loving that money. There's a difference, all right? You understand? Some of you are like, I've never had a lot of money, so I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, uh, <laughs> but it's the love of it. It's this pursuit of wealth where it's out of priority. It's not. It's not in line with the heart of God. That's where things get weird. And and this this thing of greed and rebellion keep a lot of people from obeying God. It keeps a lot of people from obeying God. 
Consequently, it keeps a lot of people from being blessed or, or favored in their life. Everything they put their hand to, for some reason, it just doesn't succeed. There's no favor in it. Greed and rebellion. Now, there's two common statements I see a lot of people make when it comes to tithing or when it comes to giving, all right? Because we use the word giving a lot because uh, if you're giving uh, online or whatever, a lot of times it's not just tithe, there might be more. So we refer to it as giving. But really, when it comes to tithes and offerings, there's these two, there's these two statements. Number one is I will bring what I want when I want. I'll bring what I want when I want. It could be said really nice. I'm just going to bring what I want when I want. Or it could be said really angrily. I'm bringing what I want when I want. All right? And, and then there's this, I will give what I'm led to give. And that's cool. If you're talking about something like a special offering or something. That, but but the, the thing is, is that God has kind of put a pattern in the Bible already of what we are supposed to be giving. Okay? He, he, he already put it out there. And it, it's in the word of God. And, uh, and we can read it, okay? We can look at it, we can read about it, and we can learn from it. And so we don't necessarily, uh, every single time we, we come up, have to ask the question, hmm, what should I give today, all right? I think $5 is good. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm led to give $5 whenever, the Bible's pretty clear. It'd be like, uh, it'd be like we have a four-year-old. It'd be like if I told her to go clean her room, and uh, she looked back at me and, and just kind of like, paused and just stared at me and then kind of said like, looked at her room. You want me to go clean that room? It's like, well, you only got one, so yes. You know, and then like all of it, let me clean all of it, right? And sometimes we actually have conversations that are not far from this. I'm like, ah. At some point, whenever she keeps coming back and forth, I just stop. And I just count, for me, I count one, two, and all of a sudden she goes and cleans the room, right? But I, I think sometimes when it comes to money and giving, uh, that's kind of what we do. We hesitate, and we're like, God, yeah, but uh, so, so is there some other way of, of uh, like, what is, could tithe mean something less, like something different, you know? Maybe it doesn't mean 10. Maybe it can mean, like, two. That's a lot easier for me, all right? And we try to change it around. And let me tell you something. You're going to be able to go online. And you're going to be able to uh, read a bunch of blogs and read a bunch of people that can take anything in the Bible and tweak it any way they want. Um, matter of fact, you can do that about anything, all right, anything in the Word of God. So, so if you ha- are, are really read up on this subject and you've gone online and you've really, like, you know, like you're debunking everything that I'm saying right now, uh, which I've done that, by the way. I'm not standing up here not having doubted what I'm talking about today. I've already been through that. And um, at some point, it's still, are you going to obey or not? whether or not your mind matches up. And that's just, that could be money, that could be in the way that you handle your, your life, that could be in your morality, all right? Y'all with me? How many of you are completely disconnected right now and not really following me, right? And you're like, oh, this is terrible. These are really two things that, that Cain said. I'm gonna bring what I want when I want, and, and I'm gonna bring how much I wanna bring. And God was displeased with that. God had already spoken to him what he was supposed to bring. Now, the crazy thing about Cain is that it didn't stop there. You remember we talked about rebellion. And um, with Cain, he ended, up, he ended up getting really upset. He ended up getting really upset with his brother. And in case you don't know, Cain ended up killing his brother Abel. Now, I just got to read in between the lines with that story. And at some point, I believe that, that Cain got angry with Abel 
over this, what happened, that God looked with favor upon him and did not look with uh, uh, favor upon himself, came. And I see that happen sometimes with people. They get upset with people who are blessed, right? And they want to tear them down to their level. You know, well, how can they afford that car? I mean, God. You know, it's like, why do you want to do that? Like, why do you want to tear somebody else's, somebody else down? Right? It's this poverty mindset. Just because you've made a lot of bad choices does not mean that they can't have nice stuff. The Bible says, look, Proverbs 19.3, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord or people. They get angry, right? The blame game. So everybody's given 10 bucks. I blow all mine on just whatever I want and then I don't have anything left to, to have the nice stuff that I want, right? And then I want to blame people for it. No, no, let's not do that. And also don't get caught in the trap of blaming God. Don't go down that path. Because most of the time, now, now let me kind of add this in there. I know that sometimes uh, we go through things that uh, are not our fault. Okay, things happen, stuff doesn't work out, we take a risk and it fails. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about whenever we make consistent bad choices. And then at the end of those choices, the result comes and we want to shift blame to somebody else or God. Let's not do that, all right? Let's not have this heart of king. Let's not have greed and rebellion and all these things operating in us. But uh, why don't we have the heart of Abel, all right? Let's read about the heart of Abel. Hebrews 11:4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. The first thing we see about Abel is that Abel was a man of faith. Remember we said that uh, uh, tithing is a test of faith. Uh, it's, a, it's a test of faith to give God the first 10%. I would be lying to you if I said that doing this right here, putting that dollar down, does not test, uh, test your faith and it's not, it's not always easy. All right? I get paid and uh, actually mine's automatically drafted out, you know, on, on my NC. And um, I just never see it. And I, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I see that number. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we just built a house. Oh, it's like, man, I could have used that a little bit, you know. But can I be honest, the way that I treat those thoughts, I treat those thoughts just like I would any other temptation in my life. And I think this is another big step. I look at it as a temptation to sin, to step outside of my commitment with my God when it comes to my money. That's how I look at it. And so you know what? That thought is fleeting. That thought does not have a lot of weight because I don't allow it to have a lot of weight. I've had friends who did allow those thoughts to have a lot of weight and eventually fell out of that, uh, that, that area of obedience. And... Um, that was their choice. But I choose not to do that. And it's a big heart thing, all right? It's a big heart. It's a conviction. It's, a, it's something that you choose to do out of faith. And there's two, there's two uh, examples of tithing in the Old Testament. Um, one is in the, in the book of Joshua, where in case you don't know, Joshua was the leader that took over after Moses, all right? 
And when Joshua, Joshua took over, they go over the Jordan River and they go into the promised land, and, uh, but they had, to, they had to wipe out all the cities. So whenever they go in, the first city they encounter is Jericho. And Jericho was like the best. I mean, Jericho is the one that had the giant walls, you know, that you could like drive chariots on top of and all kind of crazy stuff. They were rich, they were wealthy, there was a lot going on. And, uh, and the Israelites actually couldn't even take it without God doing this crazy miracle. And, uh, but anyway, God told them, said, look, whenever you take this land, I don't want you to take any money. I don't want you to take anything. Like just like destroy it, go and kill everybody and then leave it. And uh, everybody did so except one guy. One guy, whenever he got up in there, he saw everything and he got a little bit excited and he stole some stuff. He took some stuff where God had said, don't take it. He took it, buried it under his tent. And uh, all of a sudden, the Israelites go to the next town. Okay, the next town is AI, super small. They're like, oh man, no problem. They send a few people over there and they get whooped. And of course, everybody's freaking out. Can you imagine? I mean, you just took out Jericho. Now you can't take out AI. And uh, so they come back and ended up, they ended up finding this guy and uh, ended up killing him and his whole house. Uh, really violent story, but it's what happened. And uh, once they did that, they were set back right. And then they went and they took care of business. Okay. Um, there is a, there's a, there's a principle there. That city was like a tithe for the promised land. God's like, I want the first, I want the best city. Give me that. And one guy out of how many thousands, you can imagine how many people, how many thousands, one guy, he took what he shouldn't have given, what he shouldn't have had, and because of that, they lost the favor, they lost the blessing of God. So when they went forward, there was nothing else they could do but lose. And this is a big principle, big principle. Another one is, is, is uh, uh, a man named Abraham. Abraham couldn't have any kids. Right, many of you know the story. You couldn't have any kids. Finally, they have a they have a firstborn son named Isaac. They're excited, and um, God tells them to do something really crazy. He says, "Great, this is awesome. You have a child. I'd like you to go and sacrifice him." You know, if if anybody was to say that nowadays, you're going straight to prison. Okay, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. You're just nope. I don't need to hear anything else. But this is what God told him to do, and I think the crazier thing is that Abraham said, "Yep, I will do it." And so he takes his son, they go to a mountain, and uh, now I don't think Abraham did this with a smile, I think he did this uh, crying. I think that, that every chance he got, he was turning side and just angry. God, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand, I mean, they've waited 90 whatever years to have a kid, and now you want me to, you want me to, to, to kill him? He gets up on top of the mountain, he's about to sacrifice Isaac. If you know the story, there was an angel that came down, stopped him, the Lord said, you're for real. Um, I was kind of kidding, but no, no, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't kidding, but uh, stopped them. The Lord provided another sacrifice, and, which I think is awesome because it's exactly what we talked about earlier. It's a test of faith. It's a sacrifice. The Lord stops, the Lord provides, and then the Lord protects because the Israelites are still being protected, protected to this day. The Lord, his promises never fail. All right, but it started with the first. It started with the firstborn big principle of the first. The result of their obedience was favor and blessing. All these people, provision and protection, but the opposite of these would be depletion and destruction. And I believe that most of us, we really have a choice. We really have a choice. Do we want provision and protection or do we want depletion and ultimately destruction? Because guys, look, the enemy comes to do nothing but just destroy. That's what the enemy does. 
And whenever we step outside of the process and the pattern of God, we step into a whole other world. We step into the, to, to a, an area, we step outside the covering of God. But there's a bigger issue, I believe, than all of this. And, and, and just to kind of recap as we're, as we're closing, it said God didn't accept Cain's offering. And it says that Cain was offended. But if we look at it the opposite way, obviously God was, was also offended, right? Because God didn't accept it. So God was put off by what Cain did. And I, I believe this is the reason. Everything in the Old Testament represents something in the New Testament. If you're reading the Old Testament and it's like weird, okay, like what are they doing? Uh, usually that, there's something in the New Testament that, like I just did with Jericho, okay, like the tithe, those types of things. You can pull out uh, uh, examples. But everything in the Old Testament represents something in the New Testament. And so in regards to first, first fruits and firstborns in the, in the Old Testament, that represented the tithe, the first, bringing the first and the best. Well, you know what it represents in the, in the New Testament? It represents Jesus. The first and the best represents Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Colossians 1, 15. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I believe that, that God looked at what Cain did and he knew what this represented and he saw Cain's lack of commitment in this area and he's like, you know what, Cain? You have no idea what's coming, but I'm gonna be given my first and my best and you're not doing that. You're not doing that. Abel did, you're not doing that. But one day I'm gonna be giving my best. I'm gonna do it. Now let me ask you a question, God. If God gives us his best, shouldn't we do the same? We should do the same. There should be a conviction that says, God, I'm gonna do my best to do exactly what you did. For John 3, 16, this is why this scripture matters so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his firstborn, his best. That's what, that, that was the best. God gave his best. There was no other option. There was no other son waiting. Like if this, wasn't, this one doesn't work out, I'll, I'll do something else. This is it. God gave his best. And it was the life of his son. And here we are today. We're talking about money. I mean, we, we're, we're talking about money. And uh, I, just, I can't help but compare myself to Abraham. and say, man, I mean, if I can't give 10 bucks, what makes me think that I would give my firstborn? There's a gap. There's a gap in our faith. There's a gap in the way that we understand and, and, and a gap in our commitment to the things of God. Church, let's not get lulled to sleep in our faith and in, in the world that we live in. Let's not get lulled to sleep and, um, and, and fall into the trap of convenience. Sometimes serving the Lord is very difficult, all right? Sometimes it costs a little bit more than you were expecting. But I think it only costs more than you were expecting whenever you get your eyes off of Jesus and your eyes off of how important this thing really is. These patterns. Now, now here's the deal. If I just read all these scriptures and brought all this to you today, um, for some of you, I believe you might be having a really difficult time with the things that I brought. And I'm not gonna try to like prove something to you or like guilt you into it. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to go and pray. 
I'm gonna ask you to, to sincerely go and pray to your God and say, Lord, would you help me? Because I'm struggling with this thing of money. It's not making sense. I mean, I hear what people are saying, but, but I can't help but just see the negative side and the weird side, the kind of the vague side. You know, I've heard these stories. Some of you have been faithful in giving at times and you've fallen off from that. Uh, for a season, I think that's a big trap. Just right now, I just, I, I'll, I'll get to it. In about six months, these things are gonna open up and then I'll be able to, that's not, that is not what the Bible said right here. What if Abraham would have said, Lord, that's cool. Let me wait till Isaac is like at least 15 and then we'll be good. All right. You saw how, <laughs> you saw what it did with Jericho. It didn't really work out that well. Um, you know, because we cannot defer obedience. We have to just obey. And so if you don't understand, if you're kind of confused, I'm just going to ask you to pray. Go read your Bible. Go, go read the word of God. Don't just take my word for it. Okay. I did my best to communicate a very big subject, but the principle of the first is all throughout scripture. You're gonna find it as you read. Now that we've talked about it, every time you see first fruits, what are you, what are you gonna be thinking? Ah, that message, ah, I see. But some of you today, you haven't really taken the first step in all of what we really, uh, really our goal is of even showing up to church, and that's you uh, getting to know your God. We believe in Jesus. Let me, let me tell you what we believe about Jesus. We believe that Jesus came to earth, lived a, a sinless life. It means that he didn't mess up. He didn't do what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. He was perfect. And then God said, I, I want you to die for all the sins of mankind. And there's this moment I even see where Jesus is in the garden, and it says he struggled with this decision. I don't think Jesus was just like, sounds great. Let's do this. No, it said he was praying and he was so uh, under so much pressure that he began to bleed out of his head, like just drops of blood. I mean, that's what his sweat turned into blood. And I mean, he was under pressure. Really, it was his will against God's will at that moment. It was like, is he gonna, is he gonna submit his will to God? And he did, thank God. And because of his death, his, his pure, precious blood was, was, uh, was really shed as the payment for our sin. And it really, it justifies us. And all we have to do is accept that. And for some people that seems a little bit too simple. Because a lot of times we're stuck in this mindset that we're not worthy, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. And that's just another deception of the enemy. It's because of what Jesus did that we're worthy, guys. It's not because of your effort. It's not because of your family, because of your past. It's not because of your intellect. It's none of that. You're worthy because God loves you and he's for you. And so today, I wanna offer that to you. If you don't know Jesus, I wanna offer this opportunity to, to, to you today to choose him. He's waiting for you. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes? And I just wanna pray with those people today that right now, you're just feeling this struggle. You're feeling this tension. Uh, you really believe in Jesus. You believe in what I just said, but you've never had that moment where you've truly just surrendered your heart to God. And today you're like, this is it. This is my moment. Well, this is what I'm gonna ask you to do. I will not bring you up to the front of this room. I will not embarrass you, but I am gonna ask you to do one thing. I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand and say, that's me, I need Jesus. Come on, if you're in this place right now and you want Jesus to come into your life and change you from the inside out, Raise your hand, and one over here. Three over here, four. 
Who else? Another one over here, five. You need Jesus. Another one right here. Another one right here. Another one right here in the middle. See, Jesus came to give life. The enemy came to destroy. And Jesus wants to bring life to you today. He wants to bring hope to you. Some of you are in a place of hopelessness. You've tried a lot of things. You've tried uh, praying you know, on your own and, and these, these thin prayers that they don't even get past the ceiling. You feel like it's just you're spinning your wheels and you're in a desperate place. And it's because you know that you really haven't truly given your heart to Jesus. You, you haven't really just said, God, come on. I surrender to you. Anybody else today? Other one right here. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I don't want you to just say what I say. I'm just going to begin to pray. And I want you in your own words. You don't have to say it very loud. But I want you to just kind of draft in behind what I say. And I want you to commit your heart to your God today. Say, God, I come before you humbly. Father, I say right now that I need you. God, I need you in my life. I'm sick of trying this thing on my own. I'm sick of trying to just do a bunch of rules and regulations, but God, I need something different today. I need a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would forgive me of my sin. God, that you would remove the heart that's been inside of me and place a new heart that's living. God, a new heart that, that hears your voice, that knows your ways. God, would you fill me with your spirit? God, I've been filled with the spirit of this world for my whole life, and today I want something different. God, I want you. I want hope. I, I need joy. So God, I come before you and I accept what Jesus did for me, that he died on a cross to pay the price for my sin. God, I pray that you would use me for your glory, that you use me for something that matters. God, I'm sick of spinning my wheels, and today, God, I pray that I would get some traction in my life, Jesus, that I would begin to move forward with you, and that, God, you would make yourself real in my life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Come on, can we welcome those to, to the family of God today? If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.